CGM 99.1 FM programming is hosted almost exclusively by community volunteers. The views and opinions expressed on the following program are that of the host and their guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of CJAM FM. For more information and resources, visit our website at cjam.ca. Hi, I'm Samantha, a past guest on CJAM's HandyLink. You're listening to HandyLink on CJAM 99.1 FM, reaching high ground in Windsor, Detroit. to HandyLink, sponsored by the Italian-Canadian Handy Capable Association, an organization that provides recreational and athletic opportunities for individuals with disabilities in Windsor-Essex. For more information, check out ICHA on Facebook. I'm your host, Cam Wells. In this segment of our show, Paul Rogers will be telling us a little bit about Track 3. So, what can you tell me about Track 3? You know, I, I guess the um, one, of, one of the things I can tell you about Track 3 is our history. And I think, you know, we're, um, we're especially mindful of it this year just, just because we're celebrating 50 years. And I think, I think um, we have such great founders and builders in our past that we're, we're trying to spend a, uh, quite a bit of time reflecting uh, on that history and, and how we got here, you know, collecting the stories, um, the pictures, you know, the memories from, from over the, over the years. Um, I think, I think we're as strong as we are today and we have the organization to, to serve, uh, our families, athletes, uh, volunteers, uh, based on, uh, based on that history. So, so it's, um, it's a special one. Um, so that I can tell you about the history. I can tell you about the present. I can tell you about the future. Uh, you, you, you tell me what, what, where, you, where you think it's interesting, and I'll, I'll expand on it. So, can you tell me a little bit about your work with the disability community and how you adapt your programs for uh, sure. persons with varying abilities? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, you know, if I, if I go back to the beginning, back, back to that history, we started out, and our, actually our name comes from the very beginning. We had um, some doctors from uh, from Toronto were skiing in Colorado, and they saw this this program that one of the Kennedy brothers had on, and they they, they brought that idea back to Ontario and said, well, you know, we, we should do something for 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 the kids that, that need some help moving on snow. And so the initial focus we had was on was on physical disabilities, and the um, the, the initial group uh, of students were, were were mostly amputees. And uh, so they skied with they, they skied on one ski and two outriggers. So it left the, the impression on the on the snow of, of, uh, of a three track or track track three. That's that's how we got our name. 
um, over the over the last uh, many years, our, our our service has evolved quite a bit. We, I think, both in terms of the breadth of our op- offering and, and who who we can help out, but as but as well, uh, and just just how how broadly we we, we can do it um, and, and service our families and, and, and athletes. Uh, we started with just um, two locations on the escarpment up in uh, up in the Blue Mountains. So we were at uh, we were at Osler Bluff Ski Club. Uh, and we were at uh, Georgian Peak Ski Club initially, and now we're at. Um, this year we'll be at ten or eleven different hills across Ontario. Uh, still up here in the in the in the Blue Mountains area near Collingwood. We run a really significant operation out of Craig Leith Ski Club uh, over at Beaver Valley. <coughs> those are those are full day programs uh, that we run. Uh, but we we also run a lot of programs closer to to kind of more more where where. Where, the, where, where bigger communities are, I guess. So lots around Toronto. Um, we've all, we have a long-standing relationship with the city of Toronto, uh, Edward Bales. Uh, we're at uh, Glen Eden in, in Halton region. Uh, we, we're at Caledon, Hockley Valley, Mount St. Louis, um, Ottawa, uh, out near uh, near Trenton. Uh, we have affiliates that that, uh, that work in, in Kitchener, uh, Chicopee, and, and London at uh, Buller Mountain. Um, so it's so, and I think all of our, uh, you know, so in addition to, to taking taking care of many more kids now, we've what we we found is from that initial focus on just physical disabilities, uh, we've grown our training and our service offering to handle a broader uh, set of needs. So we see a lot of our of our student population now are are may, maybe have a, a neurocognitive challenge, uh, a developmental and communication. Uh, Challenge uh, something like something like autism uh, spectrum disorder, uh, that that kind of thing. So you know, it's not just um, you know. Our, I guess our adaptations and our and our teaching and our and our help for um, the community we serve is, is is grown beyond just the the physical adaptation into into um, you know dealing with with all kinds of different challenges, which we're, we're more than happy to do. So, and I suppose the, the one one other camps just really quickly. One other diversification we have is we just started on skis. Whether it was one ski or two, we, we offer snowboarding and Nordic programs as well uh, at this time. That's so lots of lots of change over over the years. So, with the expansion into uh, neurocognitive types of disabilities, what are some of the key benefits that someone with something like autism, for example, might experience? You know, I, I think it's, I don't think it's really different for for the kids with those type of challenges than the kids with physical challenges. I think the benefits are, you know, that they, you know, they, they can interact with their community and, and say, what, you know, what did you do on the weekend? Um, you know, I went skiing, you know, or, you know, they're out in fresh air and they're away from screens. I, I do find that, you know, obviously, I think it's a, it's definitely a, the case that probably all all of the youth today and maybe maybe all of us too are spending too much time on screens so um and actually in, in the case of kids with with autism for example they probably spend even more just because of, there's a lot of really fantastic aids that are delivered through technology so so you kind of like call it the good technology um but we get them away from screens and we get we get them into the into the into the out into nature and we get them we get them in supportive communities um, which I think I think they experience. Um, I hope they experience Monday to Friday. But for the, the winter programming that we can offer, um, I, I think it just I think it just gives them you know gives them a, a new skill. It gives them some some uh, some some fresh air experience, and it gives them ideally it gives them some 
some confidence and self-esteem um, as well, which which I think in those formative years, whatever whatever you're dealing with, whether it's physical or otherwise, it's it's good for them. It's very good for them so, to experience that. So, in your time with Track Three, has there been any success story that stands out for you in particular? You know, there's that's a great question. I think you know one, one I'm proud of, and I I don't t- take a lot of credit for this. I just I just happen to know George George Alvaros uh, quite well. He's he grew up with us from I think he joined our program when he was about eight years old. <clears throat> he um, he teamed up with a with a friend of mine who's unfortunately no longer with us, uh, Lloyd Sweeney. Uh, we lost Lloyd a couple of years ago to to cancer, but he uh, uh, Lloyd Lloyd uh, was. Was uh, Lloyd and others uh, over at Beaver Valley were were uh, were his, his teachers and and uh, you know I, I think the success story for me there it's an interesting like we don't we don't encourage um, uh, George George is in a wheelchair and, and became a very good mono skier so he's in a he's in a, basically a, what we call a sit ski so you're skiing in a sitting position I think many of your listeners will be will have seen these you know whether it's in the Paralympics or maybe maybe if they ski they see them out on the hill. Fantastic uh, technology. If, you, if you're on a monoski, your your sense of your accomplishment is is quite good, and your balance is quite good versus being on a bi ski. George, so George kind of got to got to the high level of it, and he uh, he we don't push people on racing, but he was just so good. We did a bit, uh, but you know he he was just he he his thing was he wanted to be you know an actor and. In which he, which he's doing successfully, and so I think we had a role in in developing him as a person. And um, what I love about George is we we kept him, we kept him. He's one of our, our success stories that where you you the people that grow up in your organization. The, the hardest thing we do is graduate people, right? We do, and we only we only graduate people in our in our you know in our community just because we we have wait lists. And it's the only way we can create capacity to serve more people. So when you turn 19, we we do graduate you. But but George, we we were able to keep on, and he um, he's a great instructor now. He, he serves as, as an assistant at the uh, the Beaver program, and I can go out with him, and um, you know I, I, I can be behind a sit ski helping somebody uh, learn how to ski. But George is out in front, and he's he's putting on the demonstration, and he's talking about how to make the the turn and. and you know, it's, it, rather than listening to me um, in my stand-up position talk about making a turn, there's there's George showing them how to do it. So, I and I, and I, I think with him as well, George, he's, he's his, his mother is one of our volunteers. She's one of our community, and we, we love that uh, where it's a family success story um, where where they're where they're all in. So, I think I think he's a fine young man, and I I, I think um, I think we're we've had a little part of it, and meanwhile. He's had a big, you know, people like George are a big part of who we are. Right? There, there are, we're a community because of, you know, the, the quality of the people we have, and so he's, he's given as much back to us as as as, as we've ever given given to him. So that, that's that's one story that comes to mind. Like, thank you for taking the time out to do this. But if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. In this segment of our show, Karen Lee will be telling us a little bit about Parkinson Canada. So, can you tell me a little bit about Parkinson Canada? Sure. So, Parkinson Canada is a national health charity. Um, we support uh, people living with Parkinson's in different ways, from 
programming, resources um, to support, but also in funding research and really raising the voice of people living with Parkinson's um, in terms of advocacy. So how do you go about reaching out to those affected? So in terms of reaching out to people living with Parkinson's, it's, it's our job to really make them aware of what Parkinson's is, first and foremost. Um, I think right now, in, in light of um, the world we're in, uh, we do rely heavily on, uh, you know, word of mouth digitally. Um, and I think for me, a big part is ensuring that we are really being present um, when it comes to issues that are important to people living with Parkinson's. So do you ever encounter any myths or stereotypes concerning Parkinson's? Um, I think with any complex disease or anything complex in general, of course, there's different um what I would say narratives um, in potentially what the disease is, what a cure could be, what treatments work. Um, for sure, yeah, we do encounter that. And I think that's where an organization like a national health charity like Parkinson Canada um, is to provide the best information for people so that they can decide and read and hopefully educate themselves on what's important to them. Uh, and to guide them in uh, hopefully assisting them in living their best life. So, in your time with the organization, has there been any success moment that stands out for you? So, you know, it's um, I've been fortunate uh, to be with the organization now for two and a half years. Um, I um, have a background in um, health charities and not-for-profit, and I would say in terms of the moments that I'm most proud of for the organization um, is for me is engaging with the community. And what I mean by that is there's different ways of engagement. And um, one of the first things I did when I arrived at the organization, I took advantage of COVID, um, is typically we would probably, when you join an organization, you try to go across the country, meet people in person. Um, we had the luxury of using um, technology. And I got to probably meet more people than I normally would have. And through that, we had some conversations. Um, you know, what was working for them? What did they like about Parkinson Canada? What did they need more support from? And uh, through that, um, realized that we really needed a Parkinson Advisory Council. So um, I definitely have my board, um, uh, and they govern the organization. But it was really important to me to really still be in tune with the, with the community, with the people that are living with Parkinson's. So uh, we created the Parkinson Advisory Council, and their advisory to me. And we meet every month. Um, right now, I believe we have about 13 to 15 people across the country of all different experiences, stages of the disease, and um we have monthly meetings and discussions to hear what we're doing at the organization, but more importantly, to get their thoughts and advice uh, moving forward. So I would say that, to me, is a really important step um, that we did at the organization that I would say is moving us really towards that the concept of a, a, the national charity not being the voice, but really centering around the person living with Parkinson's. So... What are some of the most common services that you do offer? What's most requested yeah. among your clients? 
So what we are probably well known for is what we would call support groups. Um, these are groups um, that meet um, and they set their own schedules. And it's really, um, if you think about it, confidants, um, people who understand what you're going through. Um, you can bounce ideas off each other. Um, you know, it could be probably anything related to not just health, living with the disease, but everyday life. Um, so I know there's quite a few support groups across the country, and they're very successful in the sense of that, that feeling of being heard. Um, but we also have um, what we call an information referral hotline, um, and we're really transforming it over the next uh, couple of years. Before people may be used to, if they are familiar with Parkinson Canada, is they might call us and leave a voicemail or send an email and, and would wait for someone to return uh, their call or um, the email. We are now making it a service that it's um, live, shall we say. Uh, so when you call, someone should be on the other line as well as responding as soon as possible. And um, this too is a service where if you have any question related to Parkinson's, uh, we will try to assist you. Um, we obviously cannot provide medical advice, um, but if someone says, hey, I'm looking for um, a neurologist in my community, we'll be able to give them a list. Or, um, you know, I heard this from my doctor, I'm looking for an occupational therapist. Um, how, how can I find one in my community? We can definitely assist in that, provide you all the resources, and really be a source and place of advice uh, to somebody um, impacted by Parkinson's. So, if you could send any message to the community about the work going forward and what needs to happen in terms of support for those living with Parkinson's, mm -hmm. what would mm -hmm. you say? That's a really great question, Cam. Um, and... In terms of the work moving forward, we know um, we're all working towards new treatments that would slow down and stop the disease. But in the meantime, it's so important that we continue to support the people who live with Parkinson's now. And, and for that, we know we can't do it alone as one organization. And where we really want to play a key role to support people living with Parkinson's is to be that place where they can come to and rely on. And most importantly, be that collaborator, connector. If we're not that expert in that area, we want to support you and provide that source of information, um, that support that we might not have, um, and ensure that people living with Parkinson's are living their best life today while we continue to find uh, the cure. I'd like to thank you for taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. Sure. Thank you, Cam. It's my pleasure. IndyLink will be right back after these commercial messages, so stay tuned. Hey you. Yes you. Thanks for listening to the station. CJM is a non-profit organization dedicated to our community, and you, the listener. We are able to operate because of the funds raised by our communities, but this is often not enough. We are asking for your support which you can do by contacting our federal member of parliament. Call or write and ask them to support the development of a community broadcasting fund and extend the local journalism initiative. Learn more at ncra.ca slash help. That's ncra.ca slash help. Thank you once again for your support.
Welcome back to HandyLink, sponsored by the Italian-Canadian Handy Capable Association, an organization that provides recreational and athletic opportunities for individuals with disabilities in Windsor, Essex. For more information, check out ICHA on Facebook. I'm your host, Cam Wells. Earlier in our show, Karen Lee told us a little bit about Parkinson Canada, and we heard a little bit about Track 3 from Paul Rogers. In this segment of our show, Larry Myers will be telling us about NLB Disability Bowls. Tell me a little bit about NLB. Uh, NLB is in the Pian Lawn Bowling Club in Ottawa, and uh, we've been around since uh, 1969. Uh, I understand uh, your role involves the uh, disabilities program. Uh, well, we uh, participated uh, in a program initiated by Bulls Canada uh, called Just Roll With It, and uh, we uh, had agreed to help them piloting a project for people with disabilities. So, can you tell me a little bit about uh, some, of the, some of the participants, uh, what types of disabilities you saw in your work? Uh, yes, we had... Uh, well, I might just uh, explain a little bit about the uh, the program. Uh, we were asked to uh, participate, and we were happy to do that. Uh, it involved uh, training of our volunteers. Our club is completely run by volunteers. And um, the uh, Bowls Canada was looking for participants, and they provided us uh, with, with a few participants. And uh, in our training, we realized uh, that uh, disabilities come in many shapes and forms. And uh, we had uh, a variety of, uh, of disabilities. Some were um, intellectual, some were physical. We had a few people in wheelchairs. Uh, and um, uh, that, was, that was basically it. But we had trained for different disabilities. So, for the lawn bowling itself, did you modify any equipment or any of the rules of the game? Uh, yes, we, yes, we did. And uh, I would like to, to note that it was a relatively small uh, sample of uh, participants. Um, we did have people in wheelchairs, and so we needed to research um, what would be the requirements for a ramp down to the green, for instance. And uh, we were able to purchase that with the uh, with the help of Bulls Canada, the city, and our local councillor. Uh, we did the research ourselves, and one of our volunteers is also fairly handy with. Um, physically with making things and and so we came up with uh, what we think is a, a pretty good uh, system there the clubhouse is uh, owned by the city and it already was handicapped or disabled uh, accessible with ramps and um, and wide door washrooms and that kind of thing so in your time with the just roll with it program was there any success moment stands out for you? Oh, I, <laughs> I think uh, just to see uh, 
uh, the participants um, uh, being happy to, uh, to to be able to do some things physically and to, and to achieve some success. Our, uh, we had a number of volunteers, uh, as I say, that the club is run by volunteers, and, and several of them were coaches, and they took uh, extensive training in um, how to address uh, different disabilities. And uh, I, I think the one of the other signs of, of success, success was the fact that the volunteers and the and the coaches uh, seemed to have a, a good time too, a pleasant time, and, and everyone seemed to, to get along. So from this experience, do you think the club will ever uh, be involved with the disabilities program again? I would, I would love to see that. Um, I think the big issue uh, for us, uh, as, as I say, was a lot of preparation, a lot of work, and this was planning out uh, over, as it turned out, over years. Uh, and, of course, uh, it was hampered by uh, the arrival of COVID and all of the difficulties with that. Uh, but uh, the, the problem that we had, the, the uh, focus of the uh, pilot project was to um, address various disabilities, and that, um, by definition, I guess, uh, went against uh, homogeneity. So it uh, meant that we had um, we have prepared for certain things, but uh, we would need to get uh, a group. Together, a group of people with uh, similar attitudes, similar disabilities, perhaps, um, to make it, um, I guess, more welcoming. It certainly was was welcome, and we uh, welcoming, and we had adaptations uh, that allowed people to play the game on our uh, regular surface. We have an artificial surface there, and um, but. Uh, we haven't continued with it for, for a couple of reasons this year. Um, and the biggest reason, of course, uh, was us getting over COVID. I, I think that was the biggest reason. Um, we lost uh, a number of, uh, of, uh, of, of our volunteers. And so we were short-staffed. Our, our board of directors was uh, depleted. And so we're getting back to where we were and hope to progress in the future. My recommendation would be to um, to look at a specific uh, range of disabilities and focus on that. So what were some of the key benefits for the, for the bowlers themselves coming in and having a chance to participate in sport regardless of the ability level? Um, well, I, I, I think they, I think they enjoyed that. I, I think, uh, and, and it certainly showed with uh, some of the younger ones uh, how pleased they were at their success. Um, in a couple of cases that uh, I, I can picture, uh, with the coaches taking um, taking the time to address uh, address particular issues and be um, meticulous and, and careful and repetitive. Um, they were able to achieve success that uh, 
I think perhaps otherwise they might not have. I'd like to thank you for taking time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. Sure. Thanks. Friends, I always love disability sports stories. Whether it be the story of an individual out for personal enrichment, or someone who's playing as part of a team, I don't think there's anything quite so freeing in disability life as being a part of sport. Some people might think, with an acquired injury in particular, their sporting days are over. There's nothing they can do. However, I maintain that regardless of the disability, regardless of the ability range a person started with, they can find a way to adapt. And that strengthening you gain from being part of an athletic situation can be something strengthens you in ways you don't even realize. If you look at people like Jeff Thiessen, for example, he lost his hands in an accident. However, he went on to speak to and to build up so many people. He helped them see there is a sport for everyone, regardless of what they might think at the start, the outset. There's always a way there's always an adaptation to be had. And that's disability life in a nutshell, I think. Just thinking outside the box. Creating something where hopelessness had once existed. If you build something that shines a light into the disability world, whether it be in sport, education, better laws, better transit, no matter what it is, you're setting that precedent makes it so much easier for the next person to look and to say, they did it, so why not me? It's not a matter of duplicating another success. It's a matter of finding what speaks to your heart and following it. This has been HandyLink. I'm your host, Cam Wells, reminding you we're all equal. So get on out there and have yourselves a good one. Something tells me you've earned it, folks. We'll see you next week.